Hi, viewers, and welcome to uh, The People's Voice. Uh, we've got a special guest on tonight, uh, Jemima Ayub. Um, she's 16 year old and had a big interest in politics, history, and science. I'd like to introduce my fellow co-host over there, um, the Warringah Warrior, Stephen Tripp. Um, I'm Adam Zara, the MacArthur, Zara from MacArthur. Woo! And then, uh, and then we've got Jemima over there. So how are you guys going? Yeah, good. All good. Ready to go. All right. So um, Jemima, why don't you just um, introduce yourself a little bit to us and, uh, and just tell us some of your interests and what you've been um, you know, and, and where, you, where you're going and your experiences at school over the past, I guess, two years. Okay, that's a um, big one to deal with. Well, firstly, I'm 16 years old. I am an Australian patriot. I've always been quite patriotic. I love our country. I love um, my generation. I know it's rare to find anyone who can even tolerate us, but I can tolerate my peers and I believe we are the future of Australia. So I believe it's my responsibility as it is the responsibility of all other Australians to make sure that we can have unbiased views and that our views are able to build our nation in a world that isn't a fairyland really. Um, with school, I have always gone to independent Christian schools. So extreme bias hasn't been an extreme issue. The problem is mostly the syllabus and the curriculum and most definitely the textbooks. The textbooks at times are extreme left, I'd say, in certain aspects, um, especially in the fields of history and humanities. Um, yeah, when it comes to teachers, I have dealt with a few who are quite left-leaning and will say sarcastic remarks if you even want to give them some centrist or opposing views. That has been the minority in my experience, but yeah, generally when it comes to the school system, it would be the syllabus more than the teachers. So I believe in general, most of the problems we have in society come from the top. And I don't think it's any different with the education system. So that's the short of it. Wow. Um, with, with, the, with the state election coming up, there's going to be a big focus on uh, schooling, education, and, uh, you know, especially from one, one Nation's standpoint with uh, Mark Latham as our leader, we're really going yeah, to... Yeah, because his bill failed, didn't it? The parental uh, rights bill? Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's, he's really going to be pushing the message of, uh, you know, we want to provide children with a, an education, not indoctrination. Uh, yeah, he's so, been doing a fantastic job so far. I believe yeah, he well, is probably the only politician who actively, like there's others who mention it, but especially in New South Wales, he's the only one who actively pursues it. So it's really encouraging. Yeah, well, that's right. He's always talking about it because it, it is a very important issue because this is the future of our nation, you know, and this, if this indoctrination is taking place, then, uh, you know, it's kind of brainwashing uh, young people at an impressionable age. Is the indoctrination that we hear about that bad? Well, it, dep it really depends on the school and the area the school is in. Generally, I find this is from personal experience not statistics mind you so i would find that the eastern suburbs and generally the blue ribbon and teal seats generally are ironically worse when it comes to the level of wokeness in the field of climate change especially while generally labor seats and schools in more of the eastern sorry western regions generally they are just not very motivated in their teaching and that goes across the board when it comes to the various types of schools. Obviously, I feel that independent schools are about 10 years behind. So the kind of nonsense that went on in public schools 10 years ago has only now seeped into the independent system. Before, it was generally more neutral. So, so yeah. by independent system, So by independent systems, uh, schools, Jemima, do you mean like Catholic and Anglican and Orthodox. So schools. Catholic is actually their own system. They're separate to the public sector, and they're also separate. Yeah. They're also not independent, so they have their own thing. But like um, Anglican, Christian, non-denominational, even like Muslim and Jewish schools, they'll all come under the independent banner. Also, the elite schools. Um, I can't think of any on the top of my head, but like generally, kings or they're the kings? 
Yeah, yeah, so definitely yeah. like them. They're all independent. And with independent schools, through my personal experience, they're either totally free from the wokeness in their teaching methods because quite a few of them teach off a classical curriculum, while the independent schools that are more elitist and generally always secular, they would be extreme woke. And if you, I think there was an example in Queensland where they weren't only teaching their students, it was okay to be a furry. So in case you haven't heard of them, a furry is a person who identifies as a dog or cat. And that is not a joke. It's an actual thing. You can look it up. They was, say, say that again, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. So it's identifying as a furry. Yes, it's an actual thing. It's yeah, it's wild. Um, I believe well, I'm furry, but I, I don't identify as a furball. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and I, I can't remember its name. But an independent school in Queensland actually provided a litter box for a specific student who decided they were a furry. So a litter that's box. the example litter... of yes. I kid you not. You can. I'll try to find it. Wow. Uh, Trippy, I think it's a lot worse than we even imagine. I, can't, I, I, would never, I, would I never, can't even imagine that. I would never have thought that something like that would be. A well, thing. Jemima's just trying to. Je, Jemima just told us that I'm trying to imagine it. I can't. I can't imagine. Not only that, don't you think that's uh, mentally destructive for that student? You know, I, I, I remember... Well, it has to be. Like, no teenager likes themselves. It's very rare, unless if they're extremely narcissistic. So, obviously, you're going to want to stand out somehow. And traditionally, you'll get a poor choice of piercing or a wild hair colour or a stupid haircut, and all that can be reversed. But now they're well, that... doing things that will literally yeah, well, impact you... their life. You're exactly right. I remember when I was at high school, there was a, a guy... He came to the school from another um, another school. I think his school closed down and uh, he just didn't, you know, he wasn't accepted uh, straight away. So what happened was he, he found it tough for a few weeks and then he kind of got a bit of attention by spraying aerosols on himself and then lighting it. So he kind of <laughs> lighted it. Like, and the, the flame, it wouldn't hurt him or anything like that, but he Fireball. had to go to that extreme <laughs> to kind of be accepted. And yeah. eventually that wore off and, you know, again, he wasn't accepted because that you know people lost interest it's in it just a bit creepy <laughs> yeah but sometimes you know sometimes kids do that sort of thing to kind of fit in with the crowd and that you know they might come out and say yeah i'm a furry i need a litter box to get attention but the schools shouldn't be facilitating this to egg them on and encourage them because at the end of the day it's still pushing them further out from the rest of the group where i mean i don't it's, it's, it's really the hate me now or hate me later type logic. And most schools and government organisations have chosen the hate me later. And in 10 years, you're going to have a very distraught society who've been fed I've all this a, nonsense. I've got to ask a question. Was the litter yeah. box set up in the classroom? <laughs> I really don't know. It was report. There's an article by the Curia Mail if you want to. Well, it's better than taking, um, you know, what do you call it? Puberty, what do you call it? Puberty blocking, blockers. Yeah, puberty blocking yeah. chemicals. I mean, if you read you know, the ingredients in them, they're not, they are most definitely not reversible. And I don't think that's even scientifically controversial. I highly doubt you'll be able to find a single peer reviewed paper which genuinely argues that they are reversible because they're not. It's, it's a fact of reality that if you mess up with your body, even if you take like other hormone enhancing supplements when you're younger, it will never be reversed. Whatever you've taken will always have lasting damage. So well, we, telling people yeah. that it's magic potion that will save all their woes isn't just cruel. I, I would say it borderlines ignorantly evil. Or in some yeah, cases, indeed. not so ignorantly. Absolutely. When I was uh, when I was at school, one of the worst things I ever got told by a teacher was that communism worked in theory but not in practice, which is wrong as well. It doesn't work in theory to me either. But um, what's what's some of the th things that you get told by your teachers that really stick out in your mind as? 
Um, the most out there one was my history teacher told me that, um, this is an old history teacher, mind you, my current one is fantastic, but an older history teacher a few years ago told me that um, five million children were taken during the stolen generation. And when I asked him how that could be, he asked me, he told me to not be bigoted, which is quite ironic because there weren't even five million Aboriginals alive in 1788 so essentially he was way off even by their standards so if he was having a go at my argument that possibly the numbers have been inflated fair enough but he got his statistics wrong too that's probably the most wild thing and that that was an interesting 20 minutes of class discussion um but yeah that's probably the most wild recently probably everything in all subjects comes down to climate change. I can't think of a single wild example, but I think the general topic is just extreme. Like math, English, science, history, even art, everything comes down to climate change. It's, well, at least at my school, I feel that's the case. Some teachers don't. It's mostly the textbooks. It's the textbooks more than anything because it's the textbooks that mention it and all the teachers who mention it are mentioning it directly out of the textbooks. Why do they so. need to mention climate change in mathematics? Because last time I, I had no idea. Two I, I, I can't four. answer that. It was irrelevant. Yeah, it's just completely irrelevant. Like I don't understand the, how climate change, unless you, I mean, if you've got, you know, how much what is the percentage of carbon dioxide in the in the atmosphere and you go 0.04 percent they go well yes that's very good like that's the right answer but i just don't understand what, still, I don't still, understand. it's still irrelevant to math that would be more of a science question don't you think well exactly think. right I, well you're right I, I mean it's true it's like i wasn't very good at maths i've got to be honest with you um but, oh, <laughs> but, i dropped um, it all together it's the worst subject on earth well especially the if they don't even about, know what they're going on about well, that's funnily enough, because um, Mr. Latham's also mentioned that um, a lot of the teachers actually currently teaching have no physical training or no pro uh, specialised training in the fields that they're teaching. And have you noticed this in your own experience, like the teachers are getting, like, worse? In my school, not exactly, but in public schools and speaking to my peers that go to public schools, some have literally told me that their um, history teacher was trained in math and that their math teacher was trained in English. Now, I don't know about you, but in my experience, you're generally good at STEMs or English and humanities, hardly ever mm -hmm. both. So if the teacher was trained in a humanities or English subject and they're teaching math, it's highly unlikely that they're even good at math while in school, less now that they're out of school and in the workforce and the same will go the other way around too so if it's a stem subject and um they've been trained in humanities it, it just reverses itself and the teachers just if the teachers don't know like i've had teachers tell me that they find certain modules in the course boring which yeah. is quite odd considering they keep going on about how bad our attitudes are which is quite yeah. hypocritical, hypocritical if you ask me, but um, irrelevant to the point. If a teacher doesn't like a subject, if a teacher doesn't know a subject, it's unlikely their students will enjoy, or enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy something, you're not going to do it in your spare time. Like, I don't know a single person who does math in their spare time, but I know plenty would go to the library and get a ton of history books and just sit there reading them. Yeah. Let's just go back to the work ideology. Can you give us uh, some examples? Because this stuff wasn't around uh, when a lot of us were in school and people older than us were in school. Uh, so it's really hard for us to comprehend, you know, when we hear things about gender fluidity and critical race theory and those sorts uh, of things. Gender identity theory. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that sort of thing? Okay. So my school, to their credit, has never taught gender identity theory. That is something that other schools have taught. That is something I have done personal research about because I want to know what my peers are learning about. 
Um, a good place to start, ironically, in the curriculum is, uh, I don't know if it will be considered a resource, but it's definitely a website paid for by the New South Wales government called The Good Society. You can look it up. So essentially, it's a bunch of videos and teacher resources that were created to endorse the notion of respect and consent in relationships, which sounds like a good thing. But if you mm. watch some of the things, especially, so they break it down into categories, as in K to one, K to two, then year three to six, year six to nine, and year nine to twelve from memory. And if you look at the things they're teaching year three to six students, it is it's not about respect. It's a, it's literally about identity and the love for oneself. So they, they, I remember watching one of the videos, mind you, every single animated character is supposedly gender fluid. You cannot discern a gender whatsoever if you <laughs> want to look that at it that, that way. Is that what that means? It, like in, it, from what you've been taught? Yeah. <laughs> gender fluidity is like you don't have a gender or it can change from day to day and so, so the core theory of gender identity theory is that biological sex and gender are separate from each other. So obviously, and now they're even trying to blur that line, but that's the origin, the foundation of the theory, which was, I'd say, first popularized about 10 years ago. So that's saying that your biological sex is your chromosome. So whether you have two X or one X and one Y, and then your gender is your social expression. So that's when they took away male and female from gender. And mind you, even now, most people who believe in it will still say it's a theory and that there's counter arguments. Um, and then the expressed gender is called masculinity or femininity. And that could be different to your biological sex. And that could change on a daily basis because it's constructed by society. Now, the problem with that is, although it supposedly is constructed by society, they say it's so distinct from each other that to change, you need irreversible surgeries and hormone treatments. So it's kind of an own goal. Mm. But that's the basis of the theory. Well, yeah, if, 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 you know, if you have a, a biological sex and then you have this... Uh, you know, kind of like how you feel type thing. Why do you need to? Why do you need to introduce hormones and things like that? It's, it just comes down Essentially, to Essentially, yes, because that's not changing your biological sex. It's it's not. No one's going to argue that your chromosomes stay the same your whole life. Are, um, is there any of the students at your school that identify as transgender? Or there is a couple who identify as gender neutral. At my school, there's a strict no cross dressing policy. They do enforce that, but we're so also not gender? allowed to, we're not what's allowed to use, like, for example, in the case of Caitlyn Jenner, you're not allowed to call him Bruce Jenner or use the pronouns him or he, because that's considered um, intentionally cruel. So, And can you just explain gender, gender neutral for people that don't know what that is? Okay, so a gender neutral person is essentially somebody who believes they're in the middle of gender fluidity, which is the theory that you're neither male or female. And that's where you got the theory of the other 7,960 whatever genders. I just came up with that number because they change it yeah. every day. All the letters of the alphabet. Oh yeah. Apparently the plus in their acronym actually stands for 39 other letters. I can't even think of what they mean. I'm pretty sure in the term queer, which just means somebody who doesn't believe they have a natural gender. How do you go? I want to, my question is if you're, if you a hardcore believer, not, not us, but if you're a hardcore believer in not having any sort of gender, so you're non-binary, whatever, you're just a blank piece of paper. The people who what put X on their licenses. Yeah. What happens when, for argument's sake, um, you know, you have a lump somewhere that's only um, a male person would have. So I don't know if you know about this, but the NSH in um, the UK, and they most definitely want to introduce it in Australia, especially with the new government, but the NSH in the UK has actually taken all gendered language 
out of all medical journals that they publish. So essentially, there's no longer women who give birth or um, men who, I don't know, whatever, men have who certain type of cancers and things like that. Yeah, have certain kind of cancers that women don't happen to have the, have the opportunity to get. Yeah, which, so essentially it's, they no longer say male or female. It's non-existent. They use person or, yeah. In the case of pregnancy, they changed the word from pregnant woman to not to birthing person, which I think is quite derogatory to the female gender. And generally, people 100%. who sit on the left of politics claim to be pro women's rights, but they wouldn't mind our whole being being reduced to being birthing people. They, yeah, I just I don't see. I feel like it's just gone backwards. It's it's actually more discriminatory to be on the left side of the table now. And how it's does this relate to schooling? Way. Like, is this getting, is this coming into the school from outside forces or is this being actually taught? Well, with the gender neutral theory, it is in textbooks, not which, all textbooks. Which class is this? Pardon? Like, which subject is this being taught? That will be PDHPE. Which is personal health and development and physical education. Essentially, yes. Yeah, okay. Oh. And, and do all students take that class? Because I know when I was at school, it, that was more is, selective. Currently, it is mandatory. So that's what Mark Latham's bill would have banned. Well, at least it would have, it would have given parents consent. So that means before students take that class, a parent will be sent home a form. It wasn't actually banning the class. It was actually saying that parents, like when you go to on an excursion, you have, even if you're like just going somewhere local, your parents have to sign a form saying that's where you're going. They give their consent for you to go and experience whatever the excursion involves. But if they're being taught about gender neutral theories, even as young as year six, like that's quite impressionable. They are not given any notification. They're not even informed, let alone being asked to get their permission. So no, that built in class in New South Wales. So, yeah, that is I think about story. how naive I was at your age, let alone year six or earlier. Like, there was so much I didn't know. And when I think I was right in year so. six, When I was in year six, all I was thinking was the fight we had at lunch over our favourite yeah. colour or something. And that's or what how cartoon you want to watch or something like that. That's all I was uh, – that's all I cared about when I was young, cartoons I and – I still think about what cartoons I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was in year six, <clears throat> one of my friends at the time, Dominic sent, or Dominic, his name was, I didn't say his last name, but Dominic, he had the coolest transformer. And I'm like, man, I want that transformer. I right? bet you've that's got it basic. Now. I know I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm trying to get it though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm working my way there. The legacy series, I think, is going to bring it out. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled. But just um, on a serious, like on a serious note, that was really all we ever thought about. Like I don't remember ever, I don't remember ever looking at myself going, "Hey, I'm going to be a girl." Like it was just, yeah. I don't, and I don't remember. And and obesity at school was a, a, a was hardly existent back in um, back in the day. I'm, I'm the, I think I'm the oldest one here, obviously. Um, so we had maybe two or three children out of a whole school that would have been overweight. And we had one disabled person who was in a wheelchair out of, out of 2000 children. Yeah. Like it, it's, but now. Oh, it's actually it, I, quite, it, yeah. Has it changed that much? I honestly, I think we it's had something like, like a third now. Yeah. Because there was only a literally you could count on disabled. A third obese or disabled, did you say? Yeah. Not disabled, obese. Oh, obese. Okay. No, honestly, we could you could have counted the obese kids on your hand, right? And we didn't have anything like, you know, the ADHD and ADHs and all that kind of stuff. We had – there were a couple of kids that were a it's bit It's called naughty. childhood. ADD yeah, is were... childhood. Everyone's hyperactive as a kid. Well, I mean, we were pretty I, – got to be honest with you, like – I went to, I've always gone to Catholic schools. I'm Catholic myself. So, um, but our school, we had like 2,000 kids. 
a couple of chubby ones. No one, and you know the thing is too, like everyone was so accepting already anyway. We didn't have to run classes to say this, that, the other. If if you if if that you would pick out people's traits if um you wanted to if you were having like a little bit of an argument with them if they if they stole your pencil, you'd go hey you know give it back to me, whatever you might say depending on what they looked like or something like that. But it was never ever um I don't ever remember it being like aggressive or or horrible. Whereas the store, I've got children now that go to school and some of the stuff they come back and say, oh, this person said this and that. And you're just like, wow, blows my mind. Yeah. And the, I personally believe that's because we have been divided by the left who decide they have to label everyone as something. You can no longer be human. You have to be, you'd have to decide to divide you by gender, race, skin tone, appearance. There's nothing they don't want to divide you over because they, what they do is it's a very um, clever way of if you want to be a horrible person and divide and discriminate against people, they have sure, sure have chosen a clever way to do it because what they've done is they come up with identities and say people are um, marginalised and they say it to the point in which you can't, like, if now with gender quotas, for example, if a woman, woman gets a high-ranking job, you can no longer see it as, wow, she worked hard, she got that job. Because of the amount of gender quotas in the various companies who are known to use them, it's, you, you no longer look at her as an individual who received a job. It's, she's now a woman who received a certain position. And it, it does divide people. Same well, with it, it's, a, it's exactly right because you've kind of now now that you've given people a label, then you can divide them by giving them that label. Yeah, it's it, divide and conquer. That's oh. what you know. It, you, and they're very successful. South Americans went in. Oh, sorry, the Spanish went into South America with fifty thousand troops and were able to take over the the whole continent because they would get into the tribes and play them off against each other. It's the same thing. If you're distracted by race and sexuality and all these things, you're not focusing on what's really happening. Uh, you know, the real the real power structure, you know, taking advantage of all of us. And look, the thing that infuriates me is you go down to Coogee Beach or you go down to Manly Beach and people are mixing with, with each other and they're happy. They've got no problems, no issues, but we're just completely pounded with this race stuff, you know, uh, treaty stuff, you know, mm all this gender fluidity things and it's it's really just designed to confuse us and divide us which is something we need to resist so 100 percent. how how do you think um so obviously the left uh is you know heavily in the schools and things like that how does the alternative whether it be the right or the center or whatever approach your generation and really get our message across or combat so, things how, how, how do we combat it so the first thing i i am actually one of those people who don't really cut slack for anyone i will beat up conservatives just as hard as i'll beat up lefties when it comes to certain issues and i believe conservatives actually have the same issues in certain aspects as people um of the left because they're unwilling to um, kind of move away. They're, they're very, some are very stubborn in their beliefs. So a good example will be social media. There'll be some conservatives out there who are totally against it. I would actually support them to a certain extent. I'm on most platforms, but it really is a waste of time. And it's, <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not great for your well-being at all. Um, but because they despise it so much, they refuse to use it and adapt to it. So they've actually missed a whole demographic of people just because they're refusing to adapt to a new technology. And the same could go in other senses, as in, for example, most young conservatives, whether we like it or not, do believe that transgenderism is valid. If conservatives are gonna if conservatives are going to instead of arguing it, it from a moral and moral ethical and empirical point of view, just taunt their opposition through jokes, they're not gonna get through. No. 
so I'd say those are the two things that I personally see making most conservatives fail in the view of younger people. So we had a I, we had a vet Peterson on uh, from Stand Up and Vote, and she said, "Yeah, I had said, that one. yeah, we yeah we have to be where the young people are." And she suggested TikTok. Now I don't, I've never used TikTok. I've only I will really never know. be on TikTok for security reasons, but she is right. So TikTok's a platform that we definitely need to be on. Is there any others that are emerging? Because I think Facebook is is dying. Facebook and, is long gone. I'm yeah. on it, but in reality, the major the biggest demographic of people on Facebook would be older than 40, 50. <laughs> there we go. The regulars. <laughs> it's the only one I know how to use, okay? Don't blame me. Tell them to make the platforms more simple. I just can't yeah. understand it. I can't even understand Insta. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, the biggest ones really are Instagram, TikTok if you must, <laughs> and um, definitely Twitter, ironically. More and more young people are getting on Twitter, especially after Elon Musk has cracked down on the bots. Yeah. Okay. No matter how left-wing someone is, I believe, ironically, it is the school system that's ingrained in us that our right to the freedom of speech is important. So I would say most Generation Z people, so Gen Z, which will be me up until people in their mid-20s roughly, and it ends with the current 10, 11-year-olds, we generally like at least knowing we have the freedom of speech. So the majority of people in our generation would actually be quite supportive of Elon Musk in removing um, suspensions for non-violent tweets. So, yeah, yeah that, that, is, that's is that a they, bit of irony for you. The problem is, is that they're defining violence as not violent. It, it's not even violent. Well, violence, what I grew up with to understand as violence is physically hurting somebody. Yeah, well, um, at least threatening can... to physically hurt them. It's not well, name-calling yeah. them. Name-calling well, someone is cruel, but it says more yeah. about you than them, so. I'm an 80s kid. Violence was literally physically hitting somebody. If I if I, if we mouthed off at somebody, that was just like, what was he on about? That wasn't even, that. you wouldn't even call that physical, you wouldn't even call that basically abuse. Well, remember now, when we were, like, in the 90s, like the mid to, to late 90s, you know, it was all Jerry Springer and, you know, WWE wrestling. And, Ricky Lake. Yeah, Ricky Lake. And it was all about offending people and offending people as hard as, hard as you, he know, could. Like, you know, Rodney Roode was one of my favorite comedians. Like he used yeah. to say, if you're going to get offended, then you better get out now because I'm going to offend everyone. Whereas now it's no cancel gone. culture. No yeah, cancel culture. You can get offended was, over anything awful. now. You can just invent offense. Exactly. You can literally look at anything. You can get offended by a colour at the rate we're going. That's why it's so dangerous because it's like climate change. You can adapt it to anything. You know, any Statistics are the most malleable product anyone uses in their arguments. So if they want to just invent a statistic of any form, they can make it fit into any narrative. And that's what they do with both supposed hate speech and, well, think about um, these. Uh, these is it, is it critical race theory where they say, even if a white person is being nice to you, they're only being nice to you because they feel guilty, and all this. Well, stuff. that's white privilege, which is under critical race white theory. That is theory. critical race theory is the most insane theory in the school system and in society in general. It is, yeah, it it, it makes literally no sense. So I, we've I talked about point. some of the things you're being exposed to. Is there any any uh, things that you think that you're not being taught that you need to be taught? Well, I believe in a. I personally have a strong belief in the classical school curriculum, and that has long been gone. Some independent schools still use it. Credit to them. The public system it, it literally doesn't exist. So classical school curriculum is where you're essentially taught. Um, how to think, not what to think. So that's where essentially if you're using a classical curriculum, you should not be referencing someone's opinion in any essay. If it's opinion, no, it should, be, it should be based on yourself and all references should be drawn to empirical evidence. Right. 
I, I believe that's what we're missing most because that's it's now being replaced with here's your opinion, you reference the opinion, and then if you really want to, you can make a judgment on somebody else's opinion should hopefully, according to most markers, fit in that person's opinion. So if you twist their so you questions, get full marks you can make for it that? wonderful. So Pardon? you can get full marks for that. So you could get full marks just for doing an opinion piece. Essentially, yes. <laughs> if if you word it right, yes. Yeah, I mean, Some people deduct marks for you not referencing other people's opinions. Because, and wow, because I was going to say, and what um, Trippy was just about to say or talking about is that I remember when the press used to have to be factually based. They couldn't do; they had to state it was if it was an opinion piece. Well, you could you could tell, like I remember listening to Laurie Oaks. You know, you could kind of I tell that he was on the on the side of Labor, but he would still put forward the liberal point of view, and you'd still get both sides of the argument. And and it wasn't like turning on Sky News now and it's completely pro liberal, or you listen to the ABC and it's completely pro Greens and Labor, or whatever. Or American media's, you know, clear cut CNN's, you know, Democrats, Fox Democrats. News, you know. It wasn't like that. Like you used to get there wasn't firstly there wasn't as many channels, but you did get a balance. So you could at least, you know, make an a, a, a an informed decision on who you liked the most. Was it either Kim Beasley or was it John Howard, for example? So Yeah, that's long gone. I, I don't I doubt there's a single channel still like that. Not not in not on the mainstream at least. Not on mainstream. Even if you look at internet websites. There's actually, uh, you might be interested in looking for it, but it's an app called Grounds News. It's very interesting. So what they do is they have all the channels, it's all connected to the one app, and it actually labels them per article by bias. So let's say there's an article about the G7 summit, like that was a, what, a few weeks ago, I think. Um, I saw an article on it. And they'll have like 50 news sites mention it, and they'll actually have a scale of where the bias lies. And it's amazing how few news arts, new sites ever make it to the centrist category. They're always wow. on the right or left. It's never, wow. here's your information, goes, now it's your turn to choose. It goes back to divide and conquer, you know, left versus right. You know, you, you've yeah. got your little echo chamber and you don't, you know, you think the other side's evil, you know, the, all the right people are destroying the world by emitting, you know, uh, Coal, you know, using coal and wanting to do that, and then the right are thinking that the left are evil by having renewables and things like that. It's whereas maybe the answer is there's somewhere no more in rational debate. No, and I, I encourage, I, I encourage it because if you have a debate with someone that you completely disagree with, if you if you're able to at least listen to their argument and obviously argue against it, they might influence you like five percent or just a little bit to, and, and it will change your perspective just by that little bit but that little bit brings everyone closer together and that's what needs to happen and that's why i guess why our system of government is set up like it is to, yeah because you know, they, they, no, they, they don't want to yeah. no they don't want yeah no no i just would like to take you back just to the curriculum just for a second and there's sure. been a little bit of um i've heard a lot of talk and, and, and discussion about that like you know like in history um and like well, with history like they're kind of talking badly about australian history like from when oh. you know captain cook settled and then they're trying to say that you know that we were that the white settlers were completely evil against the oh, um, yes. indigenous they, population they literally with that one they so some subjects they try to hide the bias history the textbooks are full-on there, there was no such thing as colonialism. It is most definitely invasion. There is literally no argument provided. So occasionally, like with science and whatever, they'll mention, they'll at least mention within the textbook somewhere that there are people who oppose the notion of banning coal in the face of climate, the apparent climate crisis. But with history, there is no, but some people believe in that it was colonialism and that it was a legitimate takeover or that there's some good out of it. It's always Australia is this evil, monstrous country and 
there is no balance whatsoever. Which I think is quite disappointing because if you can't love your country, then what's going to unite you? Like if your political views are worlds apart, at least you have being Australian in common. Well, the point is, the point is we all come together under our flag and we have patriotism in our country because we know that it could be great or is great and can be better. Um, we, we, we like having, having pride isn't about saying that you were perfect through history, but you have to also take into account where we've come. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like it, it would be just as bad if they want to argue nothing went wrong during colonialism. Like to be fair, even if you're going to look at it from the convict's points of view, where's the human rights in sending a child to the other side of the world for stealing a sack of potatoes? It's, it's not like they're fantastic on the human rights front in any aspect. For white people really. or Indigenous people in general. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not and- civil. Do you ever learn about, sorry, do you ever learn about like, you know, sometimes like some of the um, atrocities that Indigenous people perform, like actually incurred onto onto the white settler? No, that that is not part of the curriculum. If you want to know about that, it's called personal research. (laughs) That is not, yeah. It's not even a possibility in the curriculum. So I just got one. More. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just banging on this because I just a little bit of this. Um, oh, it's you, one of my passionate have, points. So you can go on. Oh, right. <laughs> have you ever been taught through school that um, Indigenous women weren't allowed to play the didgeridoo? Yes, I was taught that, and I actually remember having a class, dis- like initiating a class discussion. I think when I was in year five or six, and I had a full argument about it with one of my teachers because I had done a bit of research. And supposedly um, they were allowed to play, just not publicly. So, Oh, really? Because I heard they weren't allowed to play it because they believed that the women would fall pregnant from playing it. uh, The excuse we were given is that they'll lose their voice. And I thought that sounds a bit off. So, yeah, I remember looking that one up when I was younger. I learned learned that 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 would have been from around about year seven or eight in um, probably in religion when we started learning about different like little bits of different religions and different oh, really? kind of like obviously yeah because then we had because the aboriginal dream time we yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I don't just thought that was under history well so so i learned a bit, little bit about i learned about that in in religion because we we that was defined as their religion back back then i don't i have no idea i, if I dream think time is yeah it'll be fair to say dreaming is part of their religion at least yeah yeah all right that's so cool. uh you know uh we're going to put you on the spot now, Jemima. Uh, yeah, sure. we're, going to, we're going to test how you've been educated. And, you know, it, obviously you've done your own research and things like that. So this might get muddled up. I'm going to ask you some quick questions. We'll see if you can answer I've them. I've done and a then lot of personal can't... research, so I don't know if we'll muddle it. <laughs> if, yeah. If you can't answer it, then we're going to put it to Adam and see if Adam can Oh, answer. don't put it to me. Come on. Bring it on. <laughs> now, see, all right, you're going to ask the questions, but I haven't. I've only got one question for you, and I'm going to ask it after um, after Stephen does his. Yeah, then put, on, me, put me on the Stephen. spot. We'll start off with a maths question. What's seven times eight? Fifty-six. Very good. Who is Sir John Monash? He's the guy Monash University is named after. <laughs> oh, who was he? Was he the governor of Victoria? No, I can't wrong. give you a year. Adam? Uh, and you, the, the worst thing about this is I know who this is because I've spoken about it with Stephen and now I cannot remember. I thought that there was an institution <laughs> named after him. Damn. Who was he, Who was he, Trippy? He, he is one of the most successful generals of World War One, and he was an Australian. That's oh, right. he, yeah, yeah. You got me a $100 yeah, bill. Yeah. What does the name Parramatta mean? It's an indigenous word. Oh. Doesn't it mean lake of eels or something about yes. eels? That's why it's the Parramatta eels. Parramatta eels. Cool. Very good. Hey, what do Trippy. the rats? Huh? Okay, go. All right, sorry. I was going to say, what, I'm going to ask you a question. What does Malu mean? Hold on, something's. Uh, let me just. <laughs> I'm getting. What does. Say that again, Malu. sorry. 
What does Malu mean? M-A-L-O-O. I have no idea. Well, I believe it's Aboriginal for thunder. Thunder. There's actually like over 200 Aboriginal languages. So. Yeah, that's the thing. How do they How do they um, combine the languages? Well, Holden's named their Utes after them, okay? And they're pretty awesome Utes, okay. so I just thought that. That's the only reason why I know. What do the rats of Tobruk refer to? Um, that was the Balaton of Australian soldiers in somewhere in the Middle East during World War II, I think. And do you know what, what they did? I know they were there when the Singapore strategy fell, but I'm pretty sure they were fighting Mussolini in North Africa. Okay, but I don't exactly know what their purpose was. I can't remember. Adam, you want to have a crack at the rats of Tobruk? Nope. Come on, bro. Oh, bro, man. I'm going to have to take you down to the War Memorial or something. You don't know who John Monash is. You don't know who the rats of Tobruk are. The problem is my brain doesn't work that way. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I hold different information. Anyway, keep going. We've got got one more. She's... Jemima, you're doing very well. I can tell you that. Yeah, I've already given well. you three A's. Name as many ships from the first fleet that you can. I, I wouldn't be able to do this either. Oh. The Endeavour? No, the first fleet. The Endeavour? Like, isn't that the Endeavour? No, the, Endeavour the, the Endeavour was Captain Cook's ship, and he okay, discovered it. Wasn't it part of the first fleet? No, the first fleet came later. So basically the first fleet was uh, Captain Cook came in... Um, 17 i'm gonna get this wrong now 1770 and then in 1788 the british returned with the with the con, uh, colony with, the, with all the you know the convicts and everything to establish a settlement so they didn't bring the endeavor back in 1788 I, I, no no the Endeavour's not one of them adam oh. i know that you as soon as you say them i'm gonna go like that's right that's right <laughs> that's right but I, I I don't know. Was it? It wasn't the. Um, I'm gonna just no. I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the HMS Sirius, the HMS. I am. Yeah, all these. You're gonna if you catch the ferry, you're gonna uh, recognize some of these. The Alexander, the Charlotte, the Friendship, the Lady Penryn, uh, Prince of Wales, Scarborough, Golden Grove, Fishburn, and the Borrowdale. Wow! Now I remember him. I just oh now now him. you're yeah. <laughs> it, it triggered right. the memory. Couple so, more, couple more. List. Uh, sorry, not list. Give me the names of three Australian prime ministers pre World War Two. Edmund Barton. Yeah. He was the first. Alfred Deakin. Very good. And oh, let's think of a third. What? Yeah. Um. I think Billy Hughes was just before. Yep. So. No, he's in there. Yep. That's three. Very good. Adam, come on. Can you name one more? Um, Harold Holt. <laughs> Harold Holt was Because <laughs> <laughs> he did the bolt like Harry Holt, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, well, that's enough for today. I can Thank tell you, you that the uh, 1980. I can tell you that the 1980s school education system well, has failed me in that quiz, <laughs> but not really because I've got to be honest with you, I've done, um, I would have done all those um, assignments and things like that back in the day. I remember doing them. I just can't remember them right now. Too many hits to the head. <laughs> uh, I don't think we've touched the first fleet since like U5. I, I don't know if it was the same back then, but. I don't think it's critical knowing them. I just thought it would be a cool question. But uh, <laughs> no. I've got one more question. Um, who were Burke and Wills? Burke and Wills? I have a feeling like this is something I should know. <laughs> but it's too late for my brain to work in a no, way in which okay. I'll be able to give an actual answer. Trippy. I can see wait, two screens. Sorry, wait. Weren't they the ones who went from? I can't remember where. Maybe Melbourne across the outback, and then like they refused to refill their carts or something, 
And then like 11 of them got bogged down because they brought too much sugar. Oh, something yeah, like crossed, that. She's looking it up on Google. <laughs> no, so they basically they were explorers that crossed the Great Dividing Range. I was kind of there. Yeah, you were kind of there. You would have gotten you would have got you would have gotten a B plus and then a participation <laughs> award. Because that's just oh, what no, the gender, that's just what the workers the ideal is. They're like saying that you failed but not bad enough to be reprimanded. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I that's the workers. That's just so woke. A participation award. <laughs> yeah no that's all that was good yeah they're very very good yeah um i mean wow your knowledge is very 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 good for um oh, everything that, that <laughs> oh no i'm just I saying into lockdown because i had nothing better to do other than to read up about random things oh i watch tv <laughs> um yeah it doesn't interest me ironically no fair enough i don't fair think there's enough. anything i regularly watch Except for a bit of Sky yeah. News here and there. No, that's fair enough. So, um, Trippy, have you got any other questions for Jemima? No, I'm done. We've gone half an hour over than what I expected. So, yeah, oh, Jemima, I would, Jemima, just um, have you got anything else to add? Is there any any? Do you have any other? Do you have a closing kind of like? Well, yeah, I just want to thank both of you. I want to thank both of you for standing up for Australia and for your communities and for giving for at least being willing to put your name and privacy out there to have at least attempt to have a say in our future. So it's really honourable. Lots of people think it's easy to be a candidate, but it most definitely isn't. Even on a privacy aspect, there'll be people, I'm sure, who won't be very impressed with your stand. And, yeah, I just want to thank you for putting your hands up and for completing initiatives like this to continue your cause. And I wish you all the best of luck if you were to recontest in the state election, not that I'm dropping any hints or anything. But, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, um, Stephen, I'd like to say thank you. And Jemima, I'd like to say thank you even more. For thank your, you so um, much for having me on. It was really fun. And Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been great. And um, I hope that we'll be able to get you on maybe again in the future. Oh, I'd love that. Just awesome. You know, that maybe was awesome, Jemima. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, I think it's important for us not to just have policies, uh, you know, that um, obviously we're putting policies forward and stuff, but we also need to speak to, I guess, the horse's mouth and uh, see what's actually happening on the front line. So there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown around in poli politics, a whole bunch of different views and things like that but sometimes you actually need to go to the actual front line and see what actually is happening so thank you yeah for, because uh, it's all theory until you can actually prove it exactly yeah exactly. so thank you very much thank you so much